welcome to the Utah Women in Leadership podcast. For the last month or so, I've been talking to many Utah corporate leaders from companies that have been recognized as family-friendly and best places to work for women. And as listeners know, I'm always interested in all types of organizational strategies that companies implement to support women and families. And I should say men too, but I, I focus most of my work on women. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, Karen Haight Huntsman, Endowed Professor of Leadership in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University, and I'm also the founding director of the Utah Women and Leadership Project. This is the eighth in a set of episodes that focus on what organizations are doing to recruit, retain, and advance women. And, and as I said, they're great practices and policies for men too. And today I'm highlighting CHG Healthcare, which focuses on staffing specific healthcare providers for immediate and future needs. For more than 40 years, CHG has been placing hard to find healthcare providers in even the most hard to staff locations. Joining me today is CEO Scott Beck and Carrie Norman, Senior Vice President of People and Operations. Welcome. Hi, welcome Susan, it's great to be here. Hi, great to be here with you, Susan. Thanks so much. And Scott, I'll go to you first and just have you tell us a little bit more about uh, CHG Healthcare. Yeah, great. I'd be happy to. Yeah, CHG was was founded 43 years ago right here in Salt Lake City. Um, we had a grant from the federal government to, to provide uh, a physician to an underserved area in the rural, rural West. And that was the spark that started our business, uh, primarily in the physician arena. Um, today, we place um, all kinds of healthcare clinicians, doctors, nurses, physical therapists, occupational therapists, even lab technicians all across the country and, and even some international assignments around the world. You know, over the last couple of years, we've placed uh, about 21,000 healthcare clinicians. That's a lot. It, it is a lot, you know, particularly during the pandemic. It's really been noble and important work because we take you know, these clinicians where they're needed to provide patient care to people that need them. So it's, uh, it, it's, been, it's been an important place to be for the last couple of years, that's for sure. Thank you. How many, so you're housed in, in Utah. Uh, how many employees do you have generally and how many in Utah? Yeah, um, we are. We're headquartered here in Utah. We have about 3,250 employees, I think is our most recent count. Uh, about 1,500 or so of them are based here in, uh, in our Salt Lake City office. We now have Part of this is a result of the pandemic, but employees in over 40 different states, mm-hmm. um, and we have offices in about in about six of them. Of course, I guess we have 3,250 home offices now too, which is one of the ways that we <laughs> conduct true. business. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. That's really, the pandemic has shifted so many things forward on remote work and and of, of various kinds, location and, and hours and so forth. So, um, Carrie, I would I would appreciate if you would talk more about some of your more established family-friendly policies and programs that you've implemented and why. Why do you offer them? Sure, Susan, I'd be happy to talk about that. I think I think it's important to start out by saying that we've been focused on family-friendly policies for a long time. And I would say long before a lot of other companies. And it's because of our commitment to our people and our culture. And it's also just the right thing to do. I'll highlight a few things that I think we're really proud of and are a little bit more unique to our organization. And I'm gonna start with some of the ways that we make sure that people have the time away when they need it. 
to succeed on the home front or even to step away for a little while with work if something happens in their lives. And I think it's really important for women in particular who are often the caregivers to take advantage of and have uh, the opportunity even to take advantage of these benefits. I'm going to start with our leave of absence program because I think it's like any other in the state, maybe even you could argue in the nation. We offer all of our employees 12 weeks of fully paid leave if they're experiencing the birth of a child, if they have an injury, an illness, um, or you know, if it's, if it's not them, if they need to care for a family member. And speaking of time off, we also increased our PTO benefits earlier this year. We added five, six days in addition to PTO so that uh, people could not feel as if they are needing to come into work when they're not feeling well because they don't want to use their PTO for that. And we expanded our bereavement leave from five to 10 days, recognizing that when you lose a family member, it's hard and it often requires more time than just the typical five days that a lot of employers provide. Another unique benefit is coverage of fertility treatment. And we started offering this back in 2019 when we heard from a lot of our people that they were having challenges with the path to parenthood. And so far, I'm really pleased to share that we've had over 41 babies born through this benefit. Oh my gosh, that's great, isn't it? And I love, I just absolutely love getting photos of these babies from their proud parents. In fact, Scott and I just got one this morning from um, a woman who works here who was able to conceive her second child, a baby boy who was born in January. And I just think it's amazing uh, to see over time how these babies will grow up. And who knows? I mean, maybe they'll become future CHD employees someday. That and those cool stories. I uh, I just think, you know, I've known people that are struggling right now, and I think more and more people struggle, but that is something that is a physical, emotional, mental, financial, don't you think it, it includes all those kinds of struggles and challenges? It really does. It's a win on all fronts. You know, another benefit that comes to mind that we started offering this past year is something called a caregiving resource. And think of it as a one-stop shop for our people. People can make one phone call and have access to services like childcare, elder care, special needs care, even veteran care. And that often requires a lot of legwork and a lot of time, and it can be confusing. And so we find that if we can help alleviate some of the stress that people have outside of work, then our people are able to be more present in all areas of their life. So it really syncs with our philosophy of taking care of the whole person or the full well-being of individuals who work with us. And so then not that, to mention- Is that, oh, just real quick, a question yeah. about that. Is that a, an employee that you have internally or do you really pick up an external provider for that? That's a great question. Um, so we work with a lot of external partners or benefit providers as they're called. So when I was mentioning the fertility benefit earlier, we work with an organization called Progeny, which is one of the leading fertility specialists in the nation. And with the caregiving resource, it's a organization or provider called Wealthy. And they really have an expansive network that we can tap into along with other employers that choose to work with them. So, you know, we, we really work hard to find the right partners that can really be an extension of our internal benefits team. And so that partner really knows what's going on for your Utah employers or employees with childcare and elder care and some different things they can recommend then? Yeah, absolutely. We choose partners that not only understand our business and our people, but all the locations where we're located. Mm -hmm. So not even right. just Utah, but Florida and other places that we have a footprint. And now that we, um, as Scott mentioned, really have 3,200 
footprints as people continue to work from home, we're looking for the right partners who really can help us wherever our people are located. So we've truly had to go more nationwide in terms of how we think about um, not only our talent strategy from a talent attraction standpoint, but what it will take to retain people as they work from many nooks and crannies of the country. You know, the other thing I just wanted to mention, Susan, um, that may be unique to us in the uh, Utah area is that we have an on-site health clinic for all of our employees mm -hmm. and their families. And so they can get access really to all of their primary health care needs, physical and mental health care. And we added a virtual service when we moved into the pandemic because not everyone's coming into the office as frequently any longer. So you can talk with a nurse or a doctor when you're sick. And I mean, theoretically, even when you're in your pajamas at home trying to get better. So you're keeping that, even though the, we hope the pandemic is coming to an end, you're, keep, you're going to keep that service, I would expect. Absolutely. We've been working with Marathon Health, which is our provider of our on-site clinics for quite some time. They're a fabulous partner. So it was a little uh, tricky during the early days of the pandemic when everyone went home to maintain a, you know, physical clinic in an office that wasn't as open. However, we've been able to scale and flex with them. I think that's the one thing we've learned through this pandemic. You have to be really flexible. And so we backed off some of the in-person clinic hours when we needed to, supplemented with virtual. And now we're kind of scaling back up the in-person. These clinics are back open four days a week as the, the demand for the services comes back, but the virtual option really has helped us meet the needs of our people during a time when a lot of folks didn't wanna leave their house. Yeah, I'll just add that it's really a really wonderful benefit um, and it's provided free to our employees and their family members. You can just get online or make a phone call or drop by and get an appointment. I use it all the time. <laughs> And the other sounds easy. That, it sounds so much easier than going to, you know, making an appointment that sometimes is quite a ways out with another uh, provider, you know. Yeah, you can get um, in fairly quickly, usually within, you know, the, a day or two. And, and we also provide the basic medicines that most people need for common ailments. Hmm. You know, I had a sinus infection at one point and I was able to go in and be evaluated and they diagnosed my problem and, and were able to, you know, provide me with the antibiotics that I needed right before I left. So it was really, wow. really wonderful. Yeah. 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 And I just want to emphasize something Scott said earlier. This is a free service for our people. So in addition to our regular health plans, this is free healthcare. Wow. That's great. Any other programs, existing programs you'd like to highlight before I shift over really into things you're exploring or starting? One other thing I might mention, Susan, it's not really a program, but we're really proud to say that we have complete gender pay parity at CHG. Oh, so women, yeah, can fully expect to make as much as their male counterparts. And personally, I, I think it's unfortunate that this is still an issue many women face in their careers, but it's not something we allow to happen here at CHG. So how do you do that? Do you do regular gender analyses then? Um, it, we, look at it, we look at it every year and we make sure that there are no gaps. And if it, you know, it looks like gaps are emerging, we move quickly to, uh, to close them. It's just an important principle that we follow here. Yeah. And I know some companies are adding race to that as well. I don't know if you have yet, but but I, I do advise one of the advisors on parity.org and they're looking at really race as well, which is great to have the yeah. data. Yeah, we're, we're looking at that as well, Susan. And we look at it for every job in every category and every location for us. And in addition to the auditing piece, 
we believe leader education is really important. I really believe people don't go into to their decision-making wanting to have a bias around wages, but compensation, it's both a science and an art. We want our leaders to be well-educated, both about market compensation in general, and just how to make good pay decisions within our company specifically. So we spend a lot of time on the, on the education piece as well. And you said with your leadership program, so with the leaders in the company from management, up kind of you you're training them and talking to them about these things yeah absolutely i mean i would say our senior leaders have a strong commitment around this so that that helps from an accountability standpoint but we do compensation 101 for line level leaders all the way through 201 and now we're into 301 in order to help them understand how to use all the tools in our compensation package and just how to make really good merit and bonus and other kinds of pay decisions I, th- I think that's, I'm sure you do work on unconscious bias too in those things because you, you often think you're not and you are, right? Yeah, and one of the biggest culprits sometimes too is if you don't get the pay right when someone joins your organization. So we've also spent a lot of time with our talent recruiters, teaching them not to ask people so much about what they were making before, but to talk in terms of what the job is worth and and to outline the compensation range for a role to see if that works with the person's expectations so that we don't underpay from the start and have to address it continuously when somebody is here. Great, thank you so much. So what are some of the policies of benefits that you're thinking about or exploring? I'm sure you have, as I mentioned before, have surveys and employee satisfaction surveys or or keep keep your eye on those things, Scott. Yeah, we do, you know, and interestingly, it's a timely question because we're out in the field right now with our annual employee experience survey. That's where we ask employees sort of how we're doing, you know, a number of different dimensions, a number of different questions, and we slice and we dice all of that data. You know, maybe I'll just begin by saying that our number one core value here at CHG is called putting people first, and the people that we're talking about are our employees, and the number one way that we sort of put that sort of noble, sort of purposeful statement into action is through listening. We -hmm. listen to what they have to say in the survey. We look at the quantitative data. I personally read each and every comment that comes through. And then oftentimes we, you know, particularly, so we identify the different themes, the things that we're hearing. And then we typically go out and conduct some focus groups. You know, we're hearing about this, sort of theme. Let's talk more with employees about that and try to really understand it at a more fundamental level. And then we bring it to somebody like Carrie and say, boy, you know, we have lots of young families. Uh, it's part of our demographic. They're, they're, they're looking to start their own families or expand them. What can we do in, 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 you know, in the area of fertility you know, treatment or autism services? And then Carrie goes out and, and finds us great partners to work with. And then we come back to our employees and say, we listened, we heard you, here's what we're doing. Um, so it's a, it's a process that just, that just uh, we just kicked off a couple of weeks ago. We'll have our new data back here by the end of the month, I think. So do you, are you really excited or do you get nervous at these times, Scott? You know, uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say we're, I wouldn't say we're nervous. We, we take it incredibly seriously. Um, you know, when I, when I first joined the company here 23 years ago, you know, we'd been owned by a sort of a, a corporate parent that wasn't taking very good care of the employees before I joined. Turnover was high, morale was low. So we just started this simple process of asking people, you know, why are you leaving or how are you feeling? And over the last 20 years, we've really built up some credibility because we've been listening 
we post the survey online. Everybody can see all of the scores, oh, and people really? go and look. People go and look for their comments, and they see that you know even somebody that might have been critical of something that I've done or said that their comment is posted online. So it just develops this sense of trust. Um, and then when they see us take action based on the you know the thematic things that we hear in these surveys. So, I mean, we really look forward to it, you know, we're, 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 we've been, you know, fortunate to have improving and increasing, you know, engagement scores, if you sort of look at like a 10 or 15 year period, but that's really helped us build this healthy kind of employee first culture. Thank you. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, you do have to, I mean, listening is not just reading the comments, but people expect action. Right. Yeah. So I love the transparency. That must be, I don't know if it's one of your core values, but that transparency is coming out in what you're talking about, Scott. Yeah. It's really, you know, it's a really important element. A lot of times, you know, companies make the mistake of asking for the feedback and, and not sharing what they heard or providing, you know, the results. And so it feels a little mysterious. And then that undermines people's interest in really providing feedback because, you know, they don't. They don't trust that it's being listened to and acted upon. So, yeah, you know, we think it's really important to have all of those elements in our process. Thank you, Carrie. Now, one of the things we haven't touched on, but I, I want to bring it up, is just how proud I am of how our company has handled the pandemic and continues to embrace flexibility with our work schedules. Because I see flexibility as one of the most, if not most, important employee experiences people want right now. And I think our commitment to flexibility has stayed very resolute, even as this pandemic has subsided and it's safer to return back to the office. So it's a good example of what Scott was talking about a minute ago about really listening to our people, trying to meet them where they're at. We're not taking a unilateral approach like you see some companies doing with requiring people to come in you know, a certain number of days of the week. We're giving each of our divisions the freedom to do what works best for their people and their business. And most are doing some variation of hybrid while continuing to let people work entirely remote who need to. So I just think that's also a winning recipe and hopefully will help us navigate the way the workforce and their needs have, have changed over the last few years. Thank you I, so It's much. a great point, Carrie, and it's something we're committed to, you know, but back before the pandemic, if you can remember that long ago, you know, <laughs> we, 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 we sort of felt like we were one of the leading companies in terms of, you know, engagement with employees and, and we we're, we're trying to achieve that again now that the pandemic looks like it's receding with the kind of flexibility that, you know, Carrie talked about, whether you're you know, in the office or online or working from a completely different location, we think that there's kind of this magic sweet spot of connection and engagement where people can sort of bend their, their work life around what's happening in their lives that's, that's important. Um, and it can be compelling. I mean, even Carrie and I, you know, we're typically working together in the office usually three, sometimes three and a half days a week, and then working from home or wherever else we are the rest of the time. And it's working pretty well, don't you think, Carrie? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think one of the things I've just learned personally is that if you can figure out how to have the flexibility and maintain the connection, not only does it keep the culture strong, but it just makes work better. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, one of the key things, Carrie, with some of your comments is has driven home to me is the importance of you don't have to hire your own employees for some of these benefits that you really take some good time to find the right providers. That, yeah. that really came out in what you said. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess just to maybe top off that point a little bit, I think 
when companies are looking to find vendors to offer different services, it's just extremely important to find one that matches your culture because you need your benefit partners to be on the same page. And if they don't fit with your culture, it doesn't matter really what they offer. It's just not gonna work as effectively as it could. And um, I think of them as an extension really of our team. And we just value quality and service more than finding the most economical option out there. So that Thank would be you. my advice to others. In Thank fact, you. We, have a, we have a partner that helps us kind of conduct research, right? We work at the yeah. Mercer Group, right, Carrie? We do. I mean, they're a tremendous value to us and helping us figure out what are our choices and, and evaluating kind of objectively who they believe will best meet our needs. And they've gotten to know us so well that, I mean, I think of our Mercer team, uh, like I said, just as part of our extended benefits group. And I wanted to highlight one other thing before I give you the last question. And that is, you mentioned in passing childcare and elder care. One of the things that we picked up in two surveys early on in the pandemic was that uh, I think it was the pandemic or the COVID-19 or the impact on women in the workforce in Utah, where only 5% of like 3,000 women said their company did anything related to childcare. I mean, 5%. So what I've found is that many companies think it's all or nothing. It's either a full-time, you know, on-site childcare facility, or they don't even want to talk about it. They won't, don't want to bring it up. Their managers don't. And what you have done is, is a mix. It's kind of in the middle. We have lots of companies. I mean, companies can choose a whole bunch of things with childcare. And one of your, I mean, your main thing that you brought up is is to hire this company that just knows and can give recommendations and shift them out. I really love that. Any other comments about that before I move to the last? Well, I think you hit on something important, which is everyone has different wants and needs, even with regard to childcare. Some people want a group setting. Some people want more of a nanny setup. So we're just trying to find ways to not have it be a either or, but an and. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I'll just add, you know, my assistant is, I think, a good example of this, this concept at, at work. Katie is my assistant. She has uh, three young children. You know, two of them are are not yet engaged in in kindergarten, but preschool. Her husband also works here, um, and the greatest benefit to her is not actually us providing, you know, an on-site daycare or childcare, but it's offering her the flexibility because she wants her kids close to home. She wants them close to actually to where her in-laws are because her in-laws help the kids up from school and getting into after school programs and things like that. Um, so that flexibility is the greatest thing that we can you know, provide her. She comes in oftentimes after she's dropped the kids off at school. A lot of times she needs to leave at 2.30 or 3 o'clock. She gets back home. She gets online. She reengages. And so I think that's one of the greatest benefits uh, that really does help enable and empower all of our employees, but certainly our, our female employees. I think the pandemic has helped all companies move forward on those yeah. things that maybe I have to say that 20 years ago, I moved to Utah, back to Utah from Minnesota, where I was doing research on family friendly practices and arrived in Utah and saw that we were about 15 years behind any other state I've been yeah. working with. However, I think we've really shifted, like things can happen. You can work remotely, although the research continues to say that working together on site two to three days a week is a good thing too. 
So uh, you, it sounds like you have a great mix. The last question is, what final advice would you give to other business owners and business leaders based on your experiences with these offerings and with the culture, any of the things that you've talked about? Carrie, would you like to start? I mean, one of the things I would say specific to maybe your total reward strategy is know who you are, what you believe in, and realize that we have a multi-generational, very diverse workforce. And know what you want to be really great at and, and make your investments there and, and know what matters to your people and, and listen well to them, you know, whether it's through surveys or focus groups or other things, and just continue to adapt and evolve. The programs and policies that we had several years ago just don't simply work any longer in the world we live in today. But um, companies, I think, that can be flexible, can adapt, and can really be sensitive to the, the needs of the, of the people that work for them are the ones, I think, that are going to stand out as being the places to work at. Thank you. And I do love that you said you do the surveys, but then you also did some focus groups to dig down into some of the results of the surveys. Scott, yeah, you, what? You know, the advice that I would offer is to other companies and employers in, in Utah is to think and act progressively on these matters that are important. You know, we don't want to have the same experience, like you mentioned, when you arrive, you know, here in Utah, that, you know, we're about 15 years sort of behind the rest of the you know, the rest of the employment market. There's so many great things about Utah that we're now learning attract talent, you know, whether it's universities like the one you're affiliated with or just the high quality of life and the affordable cost of living. Um, but we need these progressive programs when it comes to all of these issues, you know, to attract and retain, you know, the talent necessary to grow our companies. And I think we're all better off if we're all kind of pulling in the same direction when it comes to these important you know, benefits and programs. Thanks to my guests, Scott Beck and Carrie Norman for joining me today. And thank you as listeners for taking the time to join us today on this podcast episode hosted by the Utah Women and Leadership Project at Utah State University in partnership with Utah Public Radio, USU Extension, and the John M. Huntsman School of Business. Thanks to Nick Pora for his technical support as well. The Utah Women and Leadership Project's core mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. To learn more about our research, resources, and events, please visit us at utwomen.org. Thank you.